0: I think of this area, I, I love the Washington, D.C. area from the standpoint of its historical nature. I drive through it, and uh, I can remember the first time I was here in an evening and there was uh, to drive by the memorials and it wasn't a spiritual thing but it almost seemed like it, the Lincoln Memorial, the Jefferson Memorial and as the lights were on them and then you, uh, you go by and you come across a place called Arlington. Next Sunday is Memorial Day and uh, as a nation, we need never apologize for our soldiers. We need to stand by them. We don't need to apologize for ending World War II either. And uh, if someone else, I always told our kids, if someone don't start a fight, but if someone else starts it, you finish it and uh, thank God. I had three brothers in the Marines and one in the paratroopers. Memorial Day is very special. We put some pictures where we had just to keep in mind, to think about what they went through. If you'll pop those up there at this time here. Just uh, look at them for a moment because it'll tie with my message. Good thought to read there. Just take a moment to read that. is a day when we pause to give thanks for the things we have. Memorial Day's when we pause to give thanks for the people who fought for the things we have. You know, as an American, we don't need to be ashamed in any country we go to. And it's not heaven here, but I tell you this, most people would love to be here. And then the next picture here. The price of our freedom. Well, the price of gasoline, that was a long time ago. Price of our freedom, next. I've not been there. But uh, friends who have say it's a very sobering situation, those men who were buried, if you please, in that ship under the water. Next picture. I, uh, I've had the chance to be out at Arlington a couple of times, and just when they were closing, my wife gets <laughs> mad at me sometimes because I always like to stay around and see what else I can find out. And one of the men who was uh, one of the guards there began talking to me and my son-in-law about some of the different things that take place at Arlington. It's really interesting, and, and the way that these men care for their fallen brothers and sisters. And uh, you see, I think of people who drive by Arlington all the time, and I wonder, do they, do they appreciate those white tombstones out there? You see, dotted in different places there, a, a, a sort of a canvas-topped, Holder, where there's another funeral going to take place, another one of our brave ones, whether old or young. And they march out there, and there's always a time to remember. Next. Your next picture. And as you look at it, this was taken, and the whole group of people were asked just to stay seated as... that young man was taken out of the airplane, then you've got this. That's where it really hurts with a little one like that to know that his dad gave his all for his country. And next week you will need to remember that. And I hope every time you go by Arlington, you'll just keep your eyes open, number one, But say a prayer for the families of those who've lost those loved ones. Say a prayer for our nation that it will turn back. Righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And it does not matter how strong our military is, as I shared in the first class. The Bible says the horse is prepared for the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. God can knock down a nation if it turns against him and we need to pray for an awakening in this country And what you're doing this morning is so different from what so many people are doing today They're looking at the headlines, what's in the newscast They're looking at the uh, cell papers, what can I go buy They're looking at what sport they can do Not many today unless you want to swim in the grass But uh you know Memorial Day comes once a year but every Sunday you and I have the opportunity to celebrate and remember the sacrifice of our Savior Amen. we come in here today every day is Easter he's risen we should never forget that it is so easy to forget we love our friends and we enjoy them but oh my let's not forget the most important thing in the world this one who gave us all to redeem us. All to give us peace and purpose and power. This morning I want to preach to you on a subject that is near to my heart. It's in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, verses 39 through 45. I've entitled my message, Jesus, my friend, someone who would not quit. appreciate it, Jared, so much, the song that you sang. It's... A newer version; it includes the old part of "Amazing Grace," but that new part, "My chains are gone," thank God for that. But our chains, sometimes, if if I'm not careful, I can take it for granted. And incidentally, I enjoyed watching the choir up here. They they sort of get into it. Some of you ladies look like you've danced a lot. <laughs> that's right. Rejoicing in the Lord, I, and that's great. I rejoice in you doing that what a a blessing we can enjoy the things of the Lord without being foolish and I thank the Lord for that but join with me in the garden of Gethsemane and it's a difficult time because Jesus has told his people he's going to die and three days later he'll rise again
1: he told Peter you're going to
0: deny me Peter and uh, Peter said I'll never do that then he calls them to let's go out to the garden got a little bit of a ring on here he calls them to the garden and he calls three of them to to come with him. He said unto them in another section of scripture, he said, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. It's amazing that the creator of this world wanted someone to sit down by him. Isn't that amazing? See, Jesus was totally human just as he was totally God. He wanted three individuals, if you would take some time, will you sit here and pray with me? I believe today he still wants that. I believe he calls in the corporate church for us to take time to talk to him in prayer. But here in Luke 22, it tells us in verse 39, he came out and went as he was wont to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. When he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And that's a good thing to pray about every day. He was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, I don't think I could probably say it with the, near the agony that he said it with. I think he probably, it may have almost been like a shout. Almost of a man who, in the right sense, is terror stricken, not afraid of, but there is a fear. The Bible said he was hurting, that he feared. He prayed, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. He knew what was coming. You know, we don't know what's going to take place today, later. Or tomorrow Jesus knew from all eternity slain from before the foundation of the world it was he who formed Golgotha it was he who formed the land where Jerusalem is and now he's there in by the Mount of Olives and he says if it's possible remove this cup from me nevertheless not my will but thine be done Oh God, I don't want to go to the cross. Who would want to go and have spikes in their hands? Who would want to have their beard ripped from their face? Who would want to have his body mangled? The Bible says in Psalm 22 his bones stared out at him. It wasn't sweet Jesus that was going to the cross, it was a man who looked like he'd been slaughtered. Do we remember? He could have quit. Father, if it's possible, remove it, but not my will, thine be done. And the Bible says, there appeared an angel unto heaven strengthening him. Wow. Don't understand what they talked about. Don't understand what the angel said, but in that time period, disciples were asleep. The Sanhedrin wanted to kill him. Herod was afraid of him. Pilate the coward didn't want anything to do with him. And alone there while disciples slept, an angel came. The Bible says this sweat were as whereas great drops of blood because the Bible says being in an agony, I hope you'll underline those two words, an agony. He prayed more earnestly. I can imagine barely. The angels there, he prays more and more and there's an agony that's different, I believe, from any agony anyone ever had before or after Jesus came and died. We come in here today and we enjoy and thank God we should. But just as we should never forget what took place that brought those pillars in Arlington, we should never forget what was going on at Gethsemane. He was in an agony and prayed more earnestly. His sweat were as great drops of blood falling down to the ground. I think I've prayed a lot at different times, not as much as I should. Perhaps you also. But but I've never prayed that and had blood come out of my pores. He did. Most of us will do all we can to recoil from pain. We don't like it. Jesus knew he was going to step into some kind of a pain no one ever had before, no one ever would afterward. And he said, not my will, thine be done. He arose from prayer and came to his disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. Sometimes you can be alone in a crowd. You may have come here today with a family, come by yourself. You can be alone in a crowd if you sense that no one cares for you. May I say that no one ever cared for you like Jesus. You can leave here with a friend if you don't know him. He didn't want to be alone. Matthew 26, 38 says, he he took three. He said unto them, my soul's exceeding sorrowful even unto death tarry you here and watch with me. And they didn't. In his travail, they they slept. I wonder in my own self, and I really mean this, how often I've perhaps caused him loneliness. As a local church that seeks to minister to the individual, we have to ask ourselves, you have to ask yourselves, Lord, do you sense my presence. Lord, I I want to be with you in whatever goes on. But in verse 44, it says, in being in an agony, I believe was an agony greater than anything else. John 12, 27, Jesus, I believe he knew what was coming. He said, now is my soul troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. It was almost like An avalanche was coming. He could have stepped aside. He walked right in the face of the avalanche, knowing that it was coming on him. He did it for me. This for me, for me, young person. He did it for you. I'm amazed to hear people talk about heroes today. If you want a real hero, his name's Jesus. He said, my soul is troubled. He was going to be in subjection to the Father's will. He chose that. He didn't recoil from the Father's will. He knew it was coming. That word trouble carries, is the word to means to agitate, to strike one's spirit with fear and dread. The Bible says he was troubled. Matthew 26, 37 says, He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. That word sorrowful carries the thought to grieve, to be overcome with sorrow by himself. His mind was occupied to the exclusion of every other thought which might have given him relief, I believe. The Bible says, he began to be sorrowful and very heavy. That word very heavy carried the thought of great distress or anguish. He was a sheep going to a slaughter. He was the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world that John spoke of. And lambs were for one purpose in the New Testament and the Old Testament. They were for a sacrifice. And this lamb living, Two arms, two legs, brilliant brain, willing to give us all for people, and they rejected him. Very heavy. We live in a world of quitters, but Jesus, a friend who wouldn't quit. Why is it the term he used? Not just he was in agony, he was in an agony. My soul exceeding sorrow. not just my body, The interior all about me is stirred and I know I'm going to face something that for eternity I've never faced. The Bible says in Mark 14, he was sore amazed, very heavy. They say that term sore amazed carries the thought it was an extremity of horror. He saw what's getting ready to happen. He knew what was going to happen. Slain from before the foundation of the world. He caused that scripture to be written. Psalm 119, 120 says, My flesh trembleth for fear of thee. I'm afraid of thy judgments. That was David, but I believe it's also prophetic of our Lord. It's like his hair standing on end, if you have some. Was he a coward because he feared? Is it, careful, is it wrong to say that he was afraid? The Bible says in Hebrews 5, 7, who in the days of his flesh, when it offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. I like George Patton. He's my kind of a soldier. Don't like some of his language. But he made this statement. He said, if you don't fear, something's wrong with you. And if anybody ever challenged the enemy, it was him. But I think I can take his word for it. He said, I've never met a man who was really doing something that didn't have times of fear. Fear does not mean you're a coward. Fear means that you recognize the circumstance that you're in and it can go good or bad. Jesus knew it and he knew that humanly speaking it was going to go bad. You can't be very courageous without fear. That takes courage to face fear. Arlington is replete with men and women who stood in the face of of fear and had courage Calvary was where Jesus stood I wonder did he underestimate what he was going to go through you know I've had a couple of surgeries we've all probably had some of those things never lacked them. I still remember the one doctor I fought I was five years old he wanted to give me a shot in my hip my mother the nurse And the doctor all wanted to give me that shot. I fought them off. (laughs) They won. I cried. (laughs) It can happen. Our Lord, though, he knew something was going to happen on the middle cross that had never happened on a cross before. Crosses were all over, all over Jerusalem. Murdered and killed and left them there for the animals to eat, etc., etc., etc. But something this time was going to be different on that cross. An agony caused great blood drops to flow. An agony caused Jesus to, and He never did this before. But here in this last hours, this time He said, "Would you, would you tarry and watch with me?" It was an agony that caused God to open the door of heaven and send an angel to strengthen him. The son of God needed strength. He was all human, remember? His body was already losing body fluid through blood coming out of his pores. An agony. The Bible says being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. I'll be very honest. He's my friend. He's someone to follow. He's someone who wouldn't quit. What did Jesus get for what he went through that day? He didn't get a million bucks, he got you and me. I believe there are three specific reasons why he was in an agony, and I want to just briefly mention these and share these with you. Number one, He was in an agony because he anticipated the feeling of conviction upon a pure, holy conscience. John 8, 29 tells us that only he could say, I do always those things that please my Father. There was never one time that Jesus displeased the Father. I displeased my dad lots of times you've displeased yours or your mother that day he was not just going to he was not just going to bear our sins on the cross he was going to own our sins don't understand all about that aspect but the Bible says in 2nd Corinthians 521 he hath made him to be sin for us he was the embodiment the personification the existence of sin hanging on that cross that day, on his conscience, on his soul, all of the sins of eternity of anybody who had ever lived or ever would live were there. Anybody in here 35 years of age, raise your hand. I wouldn't be ashamed, I wish I was. Just imagine, say, from the age 10 on, which would give you about 25 years, you sin three times a day, 360 days a year. That would mean that currently at this time you have sinned 27,000 times. Nothing to laugh about. Frankly, I'm sure it's probably more than three times a day with most of us. If you're a teenager at 16, you begin sinning at age eight. Anybody in here 16? It's you and you and you. Say you began sinning at age eight. If I did my adding correctly, 8,640 sins, just three sins a day. Senior saint, anyone 62 or above, we won't ask you to raise your hand. But age 62, 58,320 sins, just three a day, starting at about age 10. And imagine that all of that sin, young person, All of that disobedient 35-year-old, all of those sins you ever have or ever would commit that day on the cross, all the guilt, Jesus experienced it. Purity for the first time. Judy and I have a friend named Jan Henniger. She had cancer years ago she had a great cancer doctor in ohio and she beat it i remember though when she told us that same doctor almost went mad because later on he found out that he had cancer he knew what cancer could do to a person and now he had it and she said he was absolutely just totally, massively distraught. Imagine the pure mind of Jesus. Every wrong thought I've ever thought placed on him. Every wrong deed on him. Every wrong attitude on him. And years, and years, and years, and years. And not only now, but till the day we go home to be a Jesus. On him. He's in an agony. Because that was going to be born by him. We live in a world that makes light of sin. Well, that's human. Yeah, it's human and it'll take you to hell unless you come to the Lamb of God. Our Lord, our, you know, we lack compound interest, but we don't want it if we have to pay for our sin for it. Our Lord anticipated that feeling of conviction. There's another thing. I believe he was in an agony about. He was in an agony because he knew the required judgment on sin. It spread over millenniums. It may not be so bad or eons or, or days. And how do we comprehend this? All sin of all men for all time, the penalty of all that sin, was compressed in the wrath of God on the body and soul of Jesus Christ for about a three-hour period on a cross in total darkness. My God. That's my Savior, gang. That's your Savior. I'd have run away. I'd quit. I'd say to blank with you. He didn't do that. The Bible says it pleased the Lord to bruise him. I think of my two sons. I wouldn't do that to them. Our son in Africa. I don't think I told you this last time I was here. A week before he was to leave there the first time, some guy broke into his room, stuck a pistol out his head, said, "Don't move." Took all the stuff that he had. He said, "I just kept sitting there thinking. Mom would say it's just stuff, just stuff." When I learned about that, I'm a Christian, but I tell you this: I'd like to go find them and put a bullet. Them. Well, that's not love. No, I'm a sinner, but I love my kids. Don't mess with them. God the Father loved God the Son. I don't understand all about the Trinity, but I know it's real. This one who knew the required judgment of sin in a three-hour period took it all. All the Old Testament offerings could only withhold judgment. He took it. The Bible says the law was a shadow of good things to come in Hebrews 10.1. And it can never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year, continually make the comers thereto perfect. If you're here today and you say, Hey, I'm a I'm a good person, I do this, I do that, I think, my God, why would you trust doing something to get you to heaven when God's already paid the sacrifice? How can you add to what Jesus did? And what you're telling Jesus is, Lord, what you did is not sufficient. God have mercy. Except a man be born again, he will likewise perish. The Bible says you must be born again. Not maybe, could be, should be. You must be born again. And it's through the blood of the eternal Son of God. It was him hanging there who had the conscience of your sin. It was him hanging there. That judgment was there. You know, I can understand. I can understand me. Me. But he went beyond anything anybody could ever do. He received the vinegar. He cried out, it is finished. Wow. To Telesti, It's an amazing word that means paid in full. They would write that over an account that somebody owed something. To Telestai. Jesus cried it out, and he said, it's finished, paid for. It's finished, mother, it's paid for. It's a young person, it's finished, can't add to it. I paid the price. Will you remember it? <laughs> Dad who's working hard to take care of your family, will you remember I took your place? I paid it in full? Isaiah 53, says, God shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. Whoosh. He paid it. He paid it. Nothing you can add to it. The people today come and say, you've got to earn your way. You've got to do this. They're, you know, you need to be baptized. I tell people that there's power in the blood, not power in the tub. <laughs> You're born again by the finished work of Jesus. There he, on that cross, was in agony because he anticipated the feeling of conviction upon his pure conscience. I believe it's because he knew the required judgment of sin. And there's a third thing. Wow. Our Lord also was anticipating the fact that the cross was creating a new relationship between him and his father that he had never had before third thing. Wow. Mark 15, 34 tells us that the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, Lammus sabachthani," which is being interpreted my God, not like this, not just quote, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Imagine. Blood coming, your beard's ripped out crown crushed on, naked hanging there, your body's beating the bone stare out, nail prints in your hands. Instead of cursing those people there, the one thing, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Hey, that's my friend who wouldn't quit. That's your friend who wouldn't quit. A new relationship. Man, you know, every part of our kid's life has been special to us. I think when they first went to school, my boys, I cried. When they became teenagers, I was glad, go, go. Because it's a new relationship. Our daughter got married. What special time. I think of I think of me. I can understand me being forsaken, but not him. Can you conceive of Jesus at odds with his father? Now, he was, his father could not, does not look on sin. And he was the embodiment, if you please, of sin. He had none, but he had yours and mine. And darkness crept across the whole world. Three hours. That's noontime to 3 p.m. There wasn't a, uh, this is what I believe. I think, believe what you want. There wasn't an eclipse. That wasn't that. I believe, you know, the world had light before God made the lights. You know that, don't you? I believe that for three hours, God removed the light of any of his presence from this world. You may kill my son, but I'm not going to let you look at him. God veiled this world in darkness during that time. Here's a true friend, his name's Jesus. He died an orphan. The earth said, we don't want him. Heaven said, we can't take him because he's bearing your sin. Years ago, there's a book, movie also about a man without a country. He renounced his citizenship and so nobody really would take him and as I understand it, he spent his, all of his life on a ship and he died and was buried at sea, never went back home. Heaven says we can't take anyone with sin and Jesus died on the sea of time and space for you and me. He died in one sense of reject. He was the object of the Father's displeasure. Not himself, but what he was bearing. There was never a time in eternity, past, present, when there had been anything but pleasure between the father and the son. He said, I do always those things that please my father. He had seen others come under the father's wrath, Satan. So Adam and Eve, even some of his own children, David, when he sinned, but now hanging on the cross, young person, he was there just for you. The whole world could say, forget it, Jesus. He said, I'm gonna die for that young man. I'll die for that young lady and she'll turn to me. Love that, boy. That gets you awake, doesn't it? I think your preacher said last week you're getting a new sound system. I think you need it. Jared says amen. But dying, I mean, listen, just that quick, the rapture could occur. I'm sincere. Just that quick, gone. If you're here without Jesus Christ, I believe it because you've heard the gospel, my friend, you'd live a life of a person who can never turn to faith. 2 Thessalonians talks about it. You want to get saved, you better get it where you got the opportunity. Not out of fear, but because there's judgment coming. Judgment coming. He did always those things. And and to me, the amazing fact of the cross, hey, is the faith that Jesus had in the Father that he would carry out the transaction. What do you mean? Well, there were times when I told my kids, you know, you do this and I'll catch you. You know, when trying to teach them to swim, they don't want to jump. So you kick them in. That's how I learned to swim. My brother, I, I was scared of the water. He said, Oh, you can swim. I said, No, I can't. He, in YMCA, he picked me up. He's about 6'4. I thought, I'm going to drown. I'm going to swim. I learned to swim that day. But I knew someone was there to pull me out if need be. Jesus didn't have anybody there to pull him out. He had faith. Though that his father would carry out the transaction. He said, Three days, three nights, I'm going to be in the heart of the earth. And on that third morning, up from the grave, he arose. Amen. He knew Psalm 1610 said, Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. He is not going to putrefy in that tomb, he's going to come out alive forevermore. It's right. my friend, it's my Savior. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. I can imagine the conversation, son, I give you my word, I will bring you back. All he had, listen, all he had was the promise of the Heavenly Father that I'm going to bring you back out of death into everlasting eternal life because you will be the sacrifice for all men's sins. my daddy died in 1968 my mother died several years ago i have a promise let not your heart be troubled you believe in god believe also in me in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so i would have told you i go to prepare a place for you and if i go and prepare a place for you i will come again and receive you unto myself that where i am there ye may be also that's my hope Last week, I did a memorial service of a young lady in her 40s. A godly, sweet lady died of cancer. And I I shared with them that same reality. We know that if the earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God eternal in the heavens. We look for the day when we're going to be a Jesus. This world is not my home. I just... My treasures are laid up. Oh, hey! I don't believe that stuff we'll check it out pal we'll check it out we'll check it out one day judge nothing before the time till the Lord come who both will bring the light the hidden things the darkness and make manifest the counsels of the Lord then shall every man have praise of God there's coming a checkup day so I said walks out and said I don't believe that stuff hey fine I promise you this Jesus did I'll go with him anytime I will believe what he said dad Listen, I know you're working hard for your family, but may I say this? Make sure you're taking time with your family to learn some things about Jesus. Mom, you want that daughter to succeed, make sure she succeeds about loving the Lord Jesus. Young person, you want him to succeed, you want to have the best friends, the best dating relationship, and so on, make sure that the person you want to date is the kind of person you'd want to marry. You be the kind of person that the kind of person you want to be around will want to be around. You can get that on a copy somewhere. Hey. How do we how do we know for sure? Let me ask you this. this. This looks like an intelligent young man down here. This is a preacher's kid. I had two of them. Come here, preacher's kid. He says, don't call come on come on, up. come on. All right. Let's imagine. I like his tie too. You wearing that afterwards? Can I? <laughs> That's actually dad's. Oh, it's dad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> got his car keys too? Okay, nah. Grandma's back here somewhere. She told me this morning. She says, it's been tough. Anyway, uh, let's imagine you owe a million bucks, okay? Do you have a million dollars? Not even close. Not even close. <laughs> right. well, and see. so the judge over there is going to say what? You owe it. You're guilty, okay? Right. You're guilty, so he puts you over here in jail, okay? You're in jail. Okay, judge, would you stand up here? Okay. And now, we need a bailiff. Come here, bailiff. He says, "What's the, Maybe you guys need to switch. <laughs> here, here's the bailiff here. Okay, You know what a bailiff's job is? No. Okay. I'm going to educate you. Educate. What a bailiff does, he finds out what the judge wants and takes care of it. Okay. 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 I, need a, I need a million dollars from that guy. Okay. okay. Right. He doesn't have it. But you know what? This rich man here. Come here, rich man. He walks in. He says, listen, I want to... I want to pay his. I want to pay what he owes. He says that to the judge. Say it. I want to pay him. I want to pay him. All right. Okay. And so you give him a check. Okay. And you go and, and and then you stay right there. And then he gives it to the bailiff. And the bailiff is going to take it to the bank. Okay. And you know what he does with you? He tells you you stay over there. I'm putting you in jail too. So you're in jail. He's in jail. And the bailiff's running down to the bank. A little faster than that. (laughs) And so he's sitting here wanting. The judge says, "You're going to be in jail the rest of your stinking life." You're going to be in jail for the rest of your stinking life. If I don't get that money. If I don't get that money. All right. So what do you want to make sure? Come on, help me, man. You want to? What do you want to make? What do you want to make sure about the check? That it actually gets to the bank. Yeah, that it gets gets to the bank. Yeah. Okay. And then he comes back. Bailey, what are you sitting down for? He's at the bank. He, right, he came back from the bank, and he goes to the judge, and he says, they accepted the check. They accepted the check. Okay, <laughs> get out of here now. All right? all right, and so you're still in jail, okay? And then so, millionaire, you're in a cell. He was in a cell. You haven't seen him. You just know that you owe a million bucks. Pretty soon, he walks over to you and says, hey, come on, come on. You go with me, you're free now and you take him and you leave. Both yeah, both of you. Well, you don't have to <laughs> hold his arm. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what happened 2,000 years ago? The judge of all the earth said, we're guilty. There's one person who said, I'll pay the, pe- pay the penalty. And for three days, nobody knew whether the penalty was paid. Then Sunday morning he came. Come on now. Sunday morning, yep. up from the grave he rose. <laughs> With a mighty triumph over his grove, he arose a victor over the dark domain and he lives forever, his saints to reign. When Jesus came out, he said to me, he said to my daddy, he said to my mother, he said to all of us here, listen, I paid the price, I've satisfied the heavenly Father. You can have peace, you can have hope, you can have eternity now because of what I've done, if you'll trust me as your Lord and Savior, Redeemer. And that's the only way you can go to heaven. You cannot by works of righteousness as we've done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration, by the redemption of Christ. The question is, have you trusted that Jesus? Do you know him? He was in an agony. Conscience was blurred with the sin we had. He was in an agony because he was going to die for all of our sin. He was in an agony because his relationship with his father for the first time my God, my God, why is Thou second me? And three days later, it came back to perfect union because He took your place. The question as we close this morning, do you know Jesus and what are you doing with it? Do you know Jesus and what are you doing with it? Have you truly repented and said, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me for Jesus' sake? Many know about Jesus, but they've never trusted him as Savior. They know he died from like a, a histori- to- histor- history stor- to- story, but they never trusted him. Do you know for sure in your heart if you were to die, you'd go to heaven? He said, him, who that cometh to me, I'll not cast out. Have you come to him? And then if you do know him, are you going to follow the thing where Paul made the statement? Said He said, listen, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ liveth in me and the life I live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me and so he said I'm going to live for that one who loved me that much I drive by Arlington and it reminds me I need to be a patriot I think of the cross it reminds me I need to be a real Christian one who lives for Jesus I hope when you leave here today you remember this is Memorial Sunday and tomorrow will be Memorial Monday because he's alive and he's coming back one day I want to live for him let's bow our heads in a word of prayer I don't know how you came in here today but I know this I know the Savior wants to live in your heart you may be a believer who came in here discouraged may I say this Savior who busted open that tomb is the same Savior who can minister to your heart I don't know what your pain is that you've gone through but generally Christians go through so much that's difficult. I know Jesus wants to bless you if you'll let him. I know that he who could conquer the grave can conquer whatever you're facing. And maybe you have to face that thing till the day you die but you'll go into his presence one day. You know what he says to every believer? He says commit your way unto the Lord. Trust also in him. Every day get up and commit it to him. Lord, I don't know what today holds, but I know that you hold it. And that's not just a thought, it's a truth. If that's you today, there's an altar here, and I would invite you just to take a minute to come down and and turn that thing over that you've been wrestling with as a Christian. And maybe you're a believer, you're here today and say, Preacher, you know, I've gone to church, and it's just sort of been just a routine. And it can happen to all of us. Maybe you need to, in the pew there, or come down to the front and just... Take a moment and say, Lord, I want to re- renew, my, renew my love for you today. I want you to know that as a teenager, Lord, you're more important to me than anything in this world. I want to live for you. I'm a senior citizen. I want to live for you, Lord. I want to be, have a fresh, fresh attitude with you every day. Maybe you're a young couple starting out. Why not say, Lord, we want to every day remember you. And if you're here today and you have never trusted this Jesus, you can be a Baptist till the day you die and go to hell. Maybe you're there, you're here today and you say, I'm not sure if I were to die, I'd go to heaven. And you'd say, would you pray for me? I'm not going to come to you. No one else will. But would you pray that I would soon trust Jesus as my savior? Is there someone like that? Perhaps today you say, I'm not sure that I know Christ. Pastor, just lift me up in prayer. Would you do that? Is there someone like that here today? Just lift a hand up. Sometimes in our churches, we're just a little afraid to do that. But there's a sinner's prayer you can pray. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus died for me. Save me because of what he did. You pray that prayer, he'll save you immediately. And then come down and tell one of the good pastors here about it. Father, we're grateful. God, I thank you that your son loved us this much. I thank you, Lord, that you died for us. And Lord Jesus, I thank you that you give us the privilege, the privilege of serving you. Lord, may we never forget that empty tomb. For three days, the world reveled, and all of the devils of hell rejoiced, and you conquered them. Thank you, Lord, for dying in our place. Thank you that you rose, and thank you that you're coming again one day for his, your bride. I pray for every young person here, Lord. They're the hope of tomorrow. May they, may they be consecrated to you, Lord, you first in all things. Paul said, for to me to live is Christ. May that be our desire. Bless every mom and dad here, Lord, in the trials and burdens they face. May every day they say, oh, Lord, we're going to keep walking for you. May every senior saint realize there's ministry to do till Jesus calls them home. Thank you for the pastor and the staff of this church that they believe your truth and God bless them and use them. And as we sing a verse of invitation, Father, if there's someone who needs just to come and say thank you, Jesus. What a sweet thing, Lord. He had no one around him in Gethsemane. May they just take a minute to come down and say thank you, Lord, for being in that agony for me in Jesus' name. Amen. We stand.